After this I looked, and behold, the doors standing open in heaven. And the first voice, which I had heard addressing me like the calling of a war trumpet, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place in the future. Revelation 4.1 Put to death that nefesh that's wrong about literally everything. I'm ready to cut loose myself. <laughs> the Christian experience has to be sacrificed. Mm. You have to have that soldier attitude. I don't care what they think. I'm here to obey the apostolic commandment. I want to fulfill God's will for my life. Which is the favor that Jesus had from his father by being perfect. Greetings. Welcome to Arlem TV. Bless you in the name of Jesus Christ. Welcome back. Happy New Year. Glory to God. Awesome year 2023. Great kingdom advancements. Uh, I could say for the most part, everyone is growing the most they've ever grown before during these times. And you know what? We need to, as is written, God is raising a standard. A standard is raised. And we want to raise a higher standard in 2024 with all the Word of God that He has put in our hearts to go into new areas of development of godliness, righteousness, even spiritual ability, spiritual giftedness, and faithfulness and loyalty to the feelings of the Holy Ghost with all the actions of our flesh and all the thoughts in our minds yielding them to the Holy Ghost for Him to truly be our Lord, the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And so we ask the Spirit of Jesus Christ to come and touch your hearts and minds and transform you tonight by the power of His Word for His purposes to be accomplished for the reason you are created by Him. I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for hope in the future, plans for good and never for evil. These are the plans of God for you. And what we need to do is simply yield, position our souls in a place of hearing, and you know it's going to be something different. If it's God, it's different. He is other, which means holy. Holy means other. It's different and set apart from human thoughts in human ways. My thoughts are higher than your ways, says the Lord, and my ways are higher than your ways as well. My thoughts are higher. My ways are higher. Now he wants our thoughts and our ways to be his in the above realm. This is something he was speaking to me today. When you're born again, John 3, you're born again above. Now, if you love him, you will only give your life for the development of that above nature. If you despise and reject him, even after first believing in him, there's no development of the above nature. So those who like him and repent, what's the evidence? They're developing the above nature. Now, what is above? We know from reading the Bible, that's where all the angels are. Sapphire stones. <laughs> the rungs and the realms and the spheres of the posts of the holy angels and that is your above nature that you develop after you're saved. After you're saved, you got to stay saved. Truth anyhow. Jesus Christ said, if you don't stay saved, seven spirits more wicked than the ones driven out of you will come back and possess you in the latter condition 
is worse than the first, Jesus Christ said in the red letters. And if you're wondering how to fill the house, it's good to be filled with the substance of God himself, which is uncreated light. Now, if the demons try to come back and they find the substance of the angel of the Lord Yahweh, YHVH, if they find that, they are going to be terrified, number one. They'll probably not survive that encounter. Darkness flees, and it cannot inhabit that place in your soul. So we want as much of that light in us as possible. Well, where there's darkness, that indicates that there's a lack of understanding or a lack of knowledge. My people are destroyed for what? A lack of knowledge. When we fail to understand the ways of God, that's why we don't walk in the ways of God in certain places in our souls because we don't understand his ways. Teach me your ways that I might know you. And it is written in the Old Testament where it's either the Psalms or the Proverbs. He is known, yada, within the palaces. So it's the interior mansions of the Sephirot, Christ within you, the hope of realizing the glory, how he can be known. And so when you know him, and that term there to know him indicates intimacy. It's the same word used for a man and his wife knowing each other. That's like when they would unveil, uh, when they would unveil the cherubim covering of the ark, certain times, certain days, certain seasons, to show all of Israel what was, you know, what's behind the veil. So it's not just a mystery, and we we'll never know. Like here, no, he's going to show you. If he showed them, then he's going to show you in a greater covenant. It's not just some mysterious thing we never get to know about. Unless you stay all the way out in the outer courts and you can make it to heaven like that, that's fine. But don't you want to know what's in there? Don't you want to go in and see with your own eyes and behold the seat of mercy? Don't you want to behold the golden cherubim wings that's made out of one piece of solid gold? That's where the treasure is, right? That's where you'll find the most precious substance of all. Well, that's a good thing to take a look, come and see. And then the Lord brought a, a better tradition, and he said, taste and see. So it's a substance, it's a sweetness. It can be seen, it can be heard, it can be felt, it can be tasted and touched and experienced and that's the best way right we are going to tell you about it and some of you even receive that seed that word and you experience it at first that way and then with seed time and harvest you sow into that word some of you are really wise you go in and you tithe and then when you hear something you really want to sow into you sow into that that's great wisdom right that's how some of these people how are they uh, accelerating so fast how do they grow so quickly they just have financial wisdom about the kingdom. They believe in seed time and harvest. And so it's not an argument in the mind. It's not something that has to be debated back and forth. They just get it and they just do it. And the God, you know, the God who created the universe, he made it like this. So that anyone who has great faith when it comes to finances and seed time and harvest, it works for them. Right? It's just when people have idolatry, immorality, and things like that, it doesn't work for you. So, you know, a lot of... Uh, 
praise, you know, a, wor a worthy praise to the bride of Christ who understands the principles of seed time and harvest. And, you know, because, oh, what does it say in Proverbs 31? Woman is worthy to be praised. So that's praiseworthy. When your deeds and your actions and your thoughts are praiseworthy, God is praising you. When you're talking about praising God, it might make you, your religious demons cringe a little bit. Yeah, God praises his wife. If a regular husband on the earth is praising a wife, or it's biblical, you know, oh, the good wife is worthy to be praised, you know. She does this and does all the basic household things or whatever, the standards of that time. And uh, she's worthy to be praised. How much more someone who fulfills that, the bride of Christ, whether you're male or female, and that there's a praiseworthy wife, right? You are the bride of Christ. The whole purpose of having marriage in the earth is not just so that you can, you know, reproduce offspring, survive and reproduce some kind of Darwinism, right? God did not create Darwinism. What's the point of marriage? It's not just so you can have your emotions. I feel like I need to have children. That's in there so that people don't just go extinct because if you didn't have that drive, like for women, the emotional drive to perpetuate offspring and for the male drive to want to procreate, you know, then the people would just kind of go extinct, right? So that's a mechanism that exists for a purpose, right? So kind of coming out of the animal thinking, survive and reproduce, right? That's when you're joining the Darwinism Club. You're living that animal lifestyle of lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, family idolatry, my family, my kids. I need to, you know, make a little army. And that's fine. You know, God did, you know, he put some of these things in place. But, you know, we weren't meant to live subject to just the mechanisms of the animal type nature. What's the actual purpose of marriage in the earth? Well, it's to show us the mysteries. It's about mysteries. What's the point in eating food? We talked about the mysteries of the universe being unveiled just by eating a slice of dried mango. What happened there? Just not wanting to live an idolatrous life. Not wanting to be like Esau just shoveling food in there, mindlessly shoveling it in. Just shoveling it in was to fill the void in my heart, you know. Not, there's no amount of pizza in the world that can cure your heart sickness, okay? So, you know, maybe somebody needs to hear that, um, but it doesn't work in the long run. It does not work, and there are some side effects. It's not good. But when you want to understand more about God in everything that you do, he will start speaking to you in many ways you didn't even know he could speak to you. And so when you're expanding, let's call it expanding your portfolio of your methods of communication. So now it's not just one way you hear God, like, oh, I only hear God when I'm sitting down and I'm doing this, you know, the, the best way, right? The Bible, right? That's, you, that's your foundation. But he wants to expand your method of communication. So the only time that you're hearing from God should not just be when you're sitting down and reading the Bible or sitting down and, you know, watching, uh, you know, our online church service, our online New Year's Eve service. That's great. You want to have that. But we want to avoid that trap where it's on and off, like an on and off switch. Okay, now it's Bible time. Now I can hear from God. 
oh, now I'm going to work. Now it's not time to hear from God, right? That's that religious black and white trap that tries to say your only time of communicating with God is when you're, you know, you fold our hands and we bow our heads and we pray, right? And then the book of Enoch, it says that the fallen angels were cursed so that they could not lift their eyes to heaven. So Jesus, when he came and he lifted his eyes to heaven in prayer, he was demonstrating, I see a bright angel flash here. He was demonstrating that he was not cursed like the fallen angels. He was above them. Why? He could lift his eyes to heaven in prayer. And so, you know, you could turn into a religious demon with that and start going around accusing everyone you see bow their head because that's just how they learn. They just feel comfortable talking to God like that. You know, it's fine. You can't make up religious arguments. You could religiously argue pretty much anything using the Bible to argue a demon's opinion. Like, um, we didn't share this, but there are very specific Bible verses that you could use to make it look like having a Christmas tree is idolatry. I could find it. I, I, I think I saved it. I bookmarked it. And I wanted to kind of play a practical joke, but I thought it'd probably do more harm than good. So, I, you know, love, probably not going to do that. But you can find it and you can see, oh, you can make it look like, oh, the Christmas tree is right here. It's, it's idolatry. It's in the Bible. But then look, when you go into heaven, third heavens, they have Christmas trees, little Christmas trees, little stars on them. And... So if, you know, and that's a kind of a trend with certain groups, people groups, uh, Christians, they want to say that Christmas trees, you know, the holiday season, here it is in the Bible, we found it, it's idolatry, it's this pagan. Well, does that mean somehow we think we're better than the people in heaven, where there's no sin, where there's the manifest peace and the presence of God? And it's the glory and the joy and the oil and the light of uncreated God, Most High. Do we know better than that? No. What does that mean? It just means those are religious demon spirits that twist and pervert the word of God. So understand who and what your enemy is. And oftentimes it's going to be yourself not somebody else, but you. And so, you know, we don't want to have the on and off switch with God. So 2024, this year, we've made some resolutions, but also let's make that resolution to not flip the off switch when you leave the Bible spa, when you leave the RLM TV live, when you turn, when, it, when the broadcast is over, when the ball drops tonight and everyone's like, yeah, happy new year. Open up that communication with God. Where you go to work, when you eat, just hear Him. Until you hear Him, it's just going to be, well, I think, and this pastor said, well, my friend said, well, this is my experience. And then you pray, pray, pray. But what did God say? Were you able to receive communication from God, from Yahweh? And were you able to know that you know beyond just knowing in here, knowing in your spirit that it was him and not some other God, it's not really a God. So you'll have to know his voice in 2024. A lot of religion down here, people. I think you guys know that. Well, there's a lot more than you know. All religion is, 
is the foreskin and the membrane, and it's all Esau. So they have all the religious counterfeits. All of hell tries to religiously counterfeit all of heaven. Okay, That's the only way you can deceive nations, as it's written in Revelation. And the potent sorcery of Babylon the Great deceived all nations. The word nations there is DNA, so it deceived all flesh. So you can guarantee, as it's written, all flesh, nations, is deceived by sorcery. <laughs> now to get undeceived, you need the opposite substance, the substance that consumes it, the substance of righteousness. And righteousness is a substance that comes down from the king of righteousness in Salem above, Jesus Christ. Therefore, progressively, as you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you are filled with the substance that can consume the sorceries of all the nations. Therefore, you're no longer run by the flesh, but begin to be run by the Holy Spirit. So, those who are controlled by the Spirit of God are the sons of God, offspring, DNA of God. It is written. So how do we get out of all the sorcery? Do we even know what sorcery is? We've taught on it a lot over the years because it's the only thing the Bible says you'll have to overcome in the end times. Potent sorcery of Babylon the Great that deceived all flesh. So how do we overcome the sorcery, the deception, and the flesh? Just like the Bible says, we need a people that understand the tools of the priesthood. When you understand the tools you have, why you have a Bible, why you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost, why you must be baptized. What did Acts 2? Peter came up after he's filled with the Spirit. He began to preach and say, all of you need to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a baptism of saying, the flesh now belongs to the Holy Ghost. I'm giving my body for the actions and purposes of the Spirit of Jesus, the Spirit of Mashiach. The Spirit of the Messiah is now my Lord, and I'm going to progressively give my life more to the Lord, learn His ways, learn His teachings. What did Jesus say? Go into the depth of the teachings. I'm not going to say, stay in the surface waters. This is an invitation to go into the deep waters. For the knowledge of the glory shall cover the earth as the water. Well, water has all kinds of different depths. So, everyone says they know the Lord these days. Well, just like water, it's all different depths. What is your depth of water is what we need to be asking each other in these days. How many weeks <laughs> deep have you gone in yeah. to know him? If he's Yada within the palaces and the palaces are on the sapphire stones, well, how many sapphire stones deep are you in the supernal waters above? That's how deep you've dived, which is upward, inward, Deep diving, deep calls unto deep. The noise of those water spouts connecting the above and the below water so they're not separated but as one. And then the knowledge of the glory will cover your earthen vessel. Yes, your earthen vessel first before it covers the whole earth, even as the waters cover the sea. And that's to know his love. Another mystery I want to share with you right now as you're talking, just saw a vision of this. Tell them the crystal sea before my throne is the sapphire sea of the Sephirot, of the stars. It's a starry sea before his throne. Hello? You're, you're going through the sapphire stones. You're going through the sapphire sea. 
You're going through the starry sea, and it gets ever progressively brighter through those living waters. What's living waters? Star waters. It's the silver water that connects the stars, the, the ladder to God, God's throne in heaven. It is sailing through sapphire seas to God, starry seawater, living water that's energized from God himself that comes down, Revelation 22, as crystal clear and sparkling. So it's called crystal waters and it's called crystal sea. It's called sapphire waters and it's called sapphire sea. And he's just looking for sailors to sail into the unknown, which is the Ein Sof. Amen. They got a lot of stuff in heaven that you don't know about. They got a lot of cool stuff. Have you ever seen Jesus's like dinosaur tooth necklace? I didn't know about that. And I was, you know, yesterday, as I could say, you know, I was today years old when I learned that Jesus has a dinosaur tooth necklace. You know, I saw him. I had a visitation last night. I love visitations. You know, it's really fun. You get to know God on the inside and you get visitations on the outside. Both are very important. The most thing that's the most important is to know him first on the inside. First, clean the inside of the cup. It was written. There's a Bible verse for that. And the Christian mystics. Now, I can't remember if it was Gian Guyon or if it was Teresa of Avila, but they both kind of teach this in their own way. Uh, so you might be able to say both, but they teach about the powers of the soul going through that cleansing. You first have to do that work first before you seek him without because uh, you need all of the powers of the soul to seek god in the heavenlies which is what you know this is the launch sequence here we go it's called clean the inside of the cup <laughs> wash the dishes amen so we want to wash the earthen vessel make sure it's clean on the inside and just like brandon said we have priesthood tools priesthood tools are for what cleaning because they had a lot of cleaning to do. A lot of dead animals Imagine everywhere. a dishwasher on the inside of your soul. Mm-hmm. Put it on the sanitized. That's what the Holy Ghost and His Word and His angels are doing all the time. You put it in an extra tab of soap and you put it on the sanitized setting. The highest settings, just crank it all the way up. That's the settings that we need on the inside. Right? Just as clean as possible. And that'll be good because in Him, there is no darkness. And what's cleaning you is light. That light comes from the river of life. But of this he spoke of the Holy Ghost. So he somehow has these substances of, you know, water and fire. And there's a marriage of substances inside of God. Right? That's how he split the Red Sea. Was He was able to make the water like rock. That's what the Jewish sages taught. So how are those substances that are opposite coming together? That's a miracle, right? God has miracle working power. He has wonder working power. And it's by the blood of the lamb, the blood of the lamb that takes away the sins of the world. He takes away the sin. He doesn't just kind of cover it like the old priesthood. He takes it away. That means it's not there anymore. Good news. <laughs> I don't know. You might have been thinking the last time a demon came around to say, it's still there. It's not. <laughs> the blood of Jesus takes away the sins 
of the world. If I ask him right now, he's going to say, what sin? What are you talking about? He's not even going to know what you're talking about. If you try to bring up any of my past sin, any of Brandon's past sin before the Lord, he's not even going to know yep, what you're talking about. Yep, the animal's been burned on the altar. So here's just a, a little tip about praying, you know, praying for others. If you are in prayer and you are trying to dial God most high to communicate, and let's say you're trying to pray for Brandon the Apostle. Okay, make sure you're not praying witchcraft prayer. It's dangerous to pray for apostles when you're not in the spirit of the Lord. Uh, you know, make sure you're praying correctly. But if you start bringing up praying for him and mentioning sins or something like that, or trying to say, and there's some, you know, something, and God doesn't even know what you're talking about. You're not actually going to reach God in your prayer. Somebody else is going to pick up the phone and it's not going to be God. It's going to be who? Oh, you know, there's a prayer going up. Who is it? Well, it's attached to, you know, record of sins that don't exist in God's eyes or, you know, accusations that just aren't even true. That's when the devil picks up. And then now you are praying to the devil, thinking that you're praying to God. And guess what? That means the devil will take that prayer, that assignment, and then they send demons to answer your prayers. But what happens is when they fail, surely fail, because they always fail because this guy's got an arsenal like you would not believe. Like it's like the warmonger angel, you know, of God's throne room. It's pretty cool. And uh, it's it's fun to watch in action. It's just like, oh my gosh, you know. It's really fun. But when they surely die, the demons die, or they get discouraged, they go home sad, then they get beat up by if they even survive the encounter and not end up in the abyss forever, the judgment already coming upon them at the appointed time because he's walking in an appointed time in the heights of the Sephirah. So even if they escape the encounter to go back to their demon boss, whoever's in charge of them, they get the crap beat out of them because that's how hell operates. They're terrified of failing their missions. So anyway, then they come back and beat you up and they take it out on you. And then, you know, what worked in church age and you felt like you were victorious over other Christians who you felt were, you know, doing wrong or something like that. And you were beating them up with witchcraft prayer and felt like you were the victorious warrior of the Lord when you're strong and blah, blah, blah. But it turns out a lot of that was just demonic activity. Why? Because you're under Jezebel's tower and that's how everybody acts under Jezebel's tower. It's rampant. It's all over the place. That's just the culture. It's the toxic culture of Jezebel's tower. And that's infiltrated all the churches. So you'll find good people, but you'll also find a ton of mixture of people who want to do well, but they've just learned how to survive. And it's by praying, but it's not really praying. You're like accusing under the pretense of praying for others and bringing up things that God's not even going to know what you're talking about. He's not even going to answer that call. It's going to go to hell. And so, you know, what happens is, in the church age, people would do that and be successful, and the demons would give them demonic rewards, so they thought God was rewarding them. It doesn't work with cosmic apostles. When you start praying like that against cosmic apostles and thinking that you're in the right because you have this track record, and you don't know that it was hell the whole time, or like, you know, 85, 95% hell, yeah, God was still involved in your life, but he wanted to bring you out from under Jezebel's tower, right? There's a lot of mercy. There's a lot of grace. But when you start doing that to somebody who's walking in the cosmic realms, who's walking in righteousness, walking in holiness, walking into the kingdom age, it doesn't work like that anymore. It immediately starts to come back and hurts you. So what that person is usually going to do is start to believe that, 
oh, they must be attacking me with their prayers like I've been attacking them, and that's not the case. We are not hunters here. You know, some people are getting the revelation, and it's shocking. Those people who understand what's going on in the invisible realm have brought back reports, and they are shocked to find the first place they've ever been where they're not being hunted by leadership. So I think that's a really precious thing in God's eyes. But understand, if you are a hunter in your prayers and then you attack cosmic righteousness, it does come back to hurt you, but it's not because we're praying against you. It's just when church age hunting prayers and witchcraft prayers hit cosmic righteousness, it can't light. It doesn't kindle on Bob Jacob. The order of Melchizedek, Jesus Christ said in the New Testament that your words would be your judges. What does that actually mean? It means that the things that you're believing and speaking is what you'll have to eat and experience. So if you don't have the same diet as Christ, you're not going to have the same experience of God in heaven as the Messiah. But the whole point of the gospel, the good news, is that you have the same word, you have the same attitude, you have the same father, the same will, you've been adopted, you care about the angels' feelings and the angelic assignments is serious in your life because they're trying to help you fulfill your destiny, angels inheriting, helping you inherit salvation. So all of the things of heaven become your entire life. And all the other stuff of selfishness is simply the sinful nature that hasn't been cut off of you yet and pruned. And usually it's because the teaching's wrong. They get some bad seed. The evil one has sown these seeds, Jesus Christ yep. said. They started out born again. Okay, The parable of the sower sown seed is every born again Christian. That's the parable. The issue is Jesus Christ said Satan will come and sow tons of bad seeds in your lives. So, and then he said, an enemy did this. All I had was the good seed of the kingdom. This came from hell. And so after you're saved, the teachings of hell that come in the guise of Christian maturity, even mysticism, all this garbage gets piled upon you and it's successful in destroying most Christians. Hell does that because that's how they ensnare a believer after they're saved into the covering of Esau, the covering of the principalities, the covering of bewitchment. You know, it's Galatians 3 says, having begun in the kingdom, you're going to finish in hell. <laughs> having started in the Holy Spirit, you're going to try to finish in the evil spirit. That's what Galatians 3 is all about in the Bible. So we have to learn how to stay faithful to the Holy Spirit, which is the development of the above nature. You can't hit home on this enough. What do we do with our days? We learn to live our days, spend our days in the above realm. Now, the above realm isn't as mystical as you think it is. Whether you know it or not, how big your flesh is and how big you know the, the, the nefesh is ruling over your spirit, the truth is your spirit man was born above, so you have a born above nature. The issue is the spirit man is in those places, and it needs to transform the lower places that take over the senses. Jesus called them blind, leading the blind. Why? Because all of their senses were completely taken into the realm of the natural, which is the realm of the dead. They did not, did not have a sense of heavenly well-being. They didn't have a, a sense of the resurrection. They didn't have a consciousness above. They didn't have an angelic nature. They were all cut up as animals, putting religion upon them, trying to be good animals in the realm of the natural. 
Guys, it was Antichrist back then. It's Antichrist today. That's That was never true Judaism, and it will never be true Christianity. It's all about developing the God of heaven in your hearts in that above realm and gradually peeling off the blindness of the natural realm of the nefesh soul that's in the blood and throwing it as refuse into the lake of fire. How do you think the devil gets thrown in the lake of fire? You and I have, and everything that belongs to the devil throwing it out of our lives into hell. It's not an external thing, oh, I bind the devil and throw him in chains. No, you bind the stuff of the devil in you and burn it on an altar into hell. Yep. And religion says, oh, I don't need to do that. I have Jesus in me. I just need to be good and do this stuff. And No, that's not the priesthood. You'll never be good enough The priesthood is taking every level of ten fallen worlds that are already inside your souls and burning it into the lake of fire. We burn the hell out of us, and that's how Satan, the beast, the red dragon, the false prophet, are thrown into the lake of fire. People who are self-righteous say, well, it's an external work. We just wrestle the stuff outside us. But no, it's you. You're wrestling it in you, out of you. As it's written, we wrestled wild beasts in Ephesus. There was a wrestling of the beast's nature in the Ephesians church. They were putting on the full armor of God, equipping themselves like heavily armed soldiers to deal with their own sin, transgression, and temptation of the evil one. So that Paul, like he says, so that you can be in those heavenly places, what is seated, enthroned. You're not just sitting on the ground up there. Seated in heavenly places means sitting on the throne not just being up floating in the sky enthroned with the lamb revelation is all about getting out of the earthly into the heavenly what part of the heavenly those who overcome and conquer i will grant for them to sit with me on my throne and then what and then they shall rule over the nations with an iron scepter dashing them to pieces like pottery, it is written. Therefore, to get into that place, you value the things above because you know the Bible says all those earthly things that people go after, even the religious things and the successes in ministry that are so-called successes, they're not successes unless it's the enthronement and the dashing. Find out what's in there. You dash asking. the successes to pieces like pottery. Yep. You can find out what's in there real quick by just asking yourself this question, why? Why? Right? So this is part of the journey. So you want to, you know, you finally let go of the earthly kind of stuff. You're not really going after the money, the fame, the gold, the girls, the glory, the boys, the gold, the glory. And you kind of quit going after that. You quit drinking. You quit smoking. You quit doing crack in your mama's basement. All kinds of stuff, right? You came out of all that. You might have come out of some darkness. But let's talk about coming out of the darkness of religion, like Brandon said. Just simply ask yourself this question, why? Don't defend yourself and say, oh, I just want to go after the healing and the signs and the, or the power and the blah, blah, blah. Well, those aren't necessarily bad things to go after, but ask yourself why. And you might just find a demon in there with a very pious sounding answer that's like, well, I just want to heal as many people as possible. I just want to raise the dead. Yes, amen, hallelujah, sister, shalom. I just, we're going to heal everybody. Jesus went around healing everybody. We're going to go up and heal everybody. Up in this place, we're going to heal 
all the sick. We're going to raise all the dead. We're just going to do it in Jesus' name. We're going to give him the glory. And it's a demon in there. So just ask yourself, why? Well, so why we can heal people. Why? Because in the Bible, no, ask yourself, answer. Answer it. Why? What's the real truth? What's the motive? What's the motivation? And you'll find, if you dig in there, because it's fallen human nature, there's nothing righteous or good about you. There's nothing righteous or good about male or female fallen human nature. So if you have fallen human nature and you're uncircumcised of heart, which means you don't have any rungs or you're very low in the rungs, you can be assured, like 100% sure, that your desire to do healing signs, miracles, and wonders is mainly demonic in intention. Even though you might have deceived Truth yourself, you may have deceived yourself and others to thinking it's pure, but it's not because why you're uncircumcised. There's nothing good. Because your Christian the, culture is toxic. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. This guy gets it. I like him. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> but ask yourself why. This is a, I'm not asking you to do anything I didn't already do myself, right? When you ask yourself why, and then you look into others' intentions, and when you get to these heights, oftentimes the Father will just pull back the veil and show intentions. You can see intentions or lightnings. Right. Which crown did it come from? You just look, oh, it came from the other one. So, even if someone gives like a valid excuse, oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter whether you say a good thing or a bad thing. A good excuse for, well, here's the thing. If God pulls back the veil and shows in the invisible realm and that lightning intention of whatever action came from Satan's crown, I know that's not a good thing, right? Because that there's the tree of Satan, right? Satan, all spirits are like trees. All I see all men like trees. You know, the Bible talks about them being like the spirit being a tree. So you see that tree over there of the clippeth, and there's a light, a black lightning that came down, and that's empowering this individual, even though they're pursuing righteousness or they're on learning. So you see the mixture in people. Where did the lightning come from? So when God reveals that, it's just like, you know, it doesn't matter where the outward manifestation, it could sound like the most perfect, what was it, like the Mother Teresa goodness kind of sounding nice thing. But what lightning source empowered that action? That's all That's all I care about. That's all the Father cares about. You could have, you could look like the best Christian in the world for 20 years, 40 years, 50 years, 100 years, you know. But when the Father is weighing and judging the heart, what lightning crown empowered that action? Did it come from Satan or did it come from God? That's called the intentions. That's why I pray for the purification of intentions. Because everyone has fallen short of the glory of God, but he's asking us to be made perfect. So you've got to perfect the intentions. So whether you reason to yourself why you should do the right thing and blah, 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 blah. There's measurements of righteousness, measurements of holiness. But you want to always be empowered by the lightning of God, even if it's just a small thing. Then when it comes to the big things, make sure it's not the lightning of the other side because then it turns the whole mitzvah or right thing into a whole wrong thing. God will still use it oftentimes. He doesn't waste things. But there's no benefit. There's no reward for you when your intention comes from the evil side. The revelation of the Lamb of God, the revelation of the last book of the Bible 
is the revelation of the progressive slaughter of the human being. There's hundreds of names for God in the Bible. Why would John the Revelator call God the Lamb? Because after you believe in Jesus, the Lamb is the sacrifice. So what does it mean? You are being progressively slain in your former nature, not once. If you're married to the Lamb, that means you're married to the progressive slaughter of your human nature. Truth anyhow. To be a disciple is to be married to the Lamb, to be a bride of the Lamb. The Lamb is the reference of Passover and the cross and the constant slaughter of the human nature of lust and pride in the eyes and in the heart. All roots of idolatry, of all sin of all time, are in the heart. All roots of immorality, of all time, of all nations, are in the eyes. So therefore, married to the Lamb, you slay them in your eyes, and you slay them in your heart constantly. So you're not tethered to the realm of the dead below. That's how you're set free to experience the heavenly realms. And I want you to see this about experiencing the heavenly realms and your inheritance as the nations. What does the Bible say? Ask, and I will give you the nations as your inheritance. Oh yes, we love that verse. Now listen to what happens when, when you actually get the inheritance. It's a little different than you think. To the one who is victorious, which means successful, I'm in Revelation 2, 26 and 27, and does my will to the end, this is Jesus in the red letters of Revelation, I will give authority over the nations. So there's the fulfillment of the promise. Now that I have the nations, what am I going to do with them? Oh, treasure them. Oh, I'm going to take care of them. Oh, we're going to have, uh, you know, patty cake. Well, Jesus said something a little different than that. He says... You will rule them with iron scepter and dash them to pieces like pottery. Iron scepter is a brutal war instrument for smashing your enemy's skulls open. So you get your inheritance, ask for the nations. Then what does Jesus say? He says, use a war scepter, so an instrument of destruction to destroy them. Okay, now hold on, pull back a minute. Not destroy them physically, destroy them, their spiritual coverings, which are the 70 principalities that were given to the nations at the Tower of Babel, which are devils, and their culture, because devils have enculturated the 70 root nations of all the nations of the earth. That's why the nations are so extremely deceived, because you've been under principalities for thousands of years, about 4,000 years since the Tower of Babel. So, that's 4,000 years of genetic programming in human DNA wrong about everything. Everything. There ain't anything right about anyone as it's written. All men are completely liars, and that includes women as well. The truth is the dashing of the nations, the inheritance of the righteous to pieces like pottery for those that are victorious and successful who sit on his throne is the only way they can remain after you come into a place of maturity. So in the coming days, simply by going into the mature things of Christ, being truly faithful as a bride of the Lamb, constantly crucified so that the angels can take you up, what's the evidence that you are a true and faithful bride to the Lamb? The angels are allowed to take you into higher heavenly places and you're not actually tethered to the earth. 
if you're enchained to the earth, it's the evidence you ain't married to Jesus. Jesus is in heaven. You're married to all the junk in the world. You're married to TikTok and social media. You're married to the dust of the earth. You're married to your children. You're married to the, they'll be giving and taking in marriage. You're married to your spouse, but I'm not talking about godly. I'm talking about something that's holding you down into the realm of the natural. You must be married to God first. Otherwise, everything is corrupted in your life. That's what it means to remember your first love, your devotion. You have to remember God. If God is not first, and how does God work in your lives? We can say with a theological idea, oh, God's first, blah, 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 I lift my hands, I praise. No, there is a progressive moving of the hidden person of the heart, the soul, into higher things of glory. Is there a greater glory in your life today than a year ago? You're making progress in your marriage to the Lamb. And it takes the Lamb because the human being is slaughtered. You're more slaughtered of the things of the world, the Christianity of the world, the Edom of the world, the foreskins and membranes, which are that genetic mutations of the world, the things that have covered your spirit, the holy place. Are you progressively removing them and giving them to the angels to slaughter them? So he's called Lord of hosts, and it's not just an external thing anymore. Since Jesus came into your heart, he wants to command angel armies from within you. The issue is, it's not going to be you. It's going to be a yielding to him. He's separate than you. You're the temple, you're the temple of a separate God. 1 Corinthians 6.19, it is written, You're the temple of separation. I will separate you, come out from amongst them and be separate, says the Lord Almighty. In the Bible, what does it mean to be separated and to be holy? It means to separate you from God. There needs to be a reverence and an awe that God, as great as he is, desires to live in me. Do I have an honor for him living inside me, in my center, in my stomach, that Shekinah? Is it dormant? If it's dormant and it's not known, that's because the senses, the reasoning of the human being have not realized the glory. Therefore, there's no reverence to the Holy Spirit. He doesn't indwell the temple yet. If he indwells the temple, it's because you've made room to reverence him with your bodies doing the actions that please the Lord. You must consecrate your bodies. Everyone will be judged according to what they've done in their bodies. It is written, Revelation. So therefore, the body is constantly made the instrument for serving the Holy Ghost in your stomachs. Therefore, the Shekinah gets brighter and brighter. That's what going from glory to glory is, that you're doing the works that please the Lord. Let us dedicate ourselves in 2024 with all of our flesh, in a greater consecration to the things that please the Holy Ghost, not out in space, not a bunch of bewitched Christians. No, Holy Spirit in your stomach. That there be an awakening to the Shekinah, the spirit of Shekinah, he's called in Peter. That you have the spirit of glory, the spirit of Shekinah. And with all my senses, and with all my bones and marrow, and my natural man, and with all my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Therefore, be more saved in 2024. We're going to have a deeper knowledge of His glory. 
It's a deeper obedience. We don't just go in to have an experience. We go in to be servants. Your servant is listening, Samuel said. If his voice is speaking in your youth, which is your infancy in Christ, and it needs to be because you're born of a seed, God begins to speak to that seed, and he wants to develop it into maturity. We need to say with our spirit, I'm listening. I will tenderize my heart. The areas of my life that you want to change, I will put on the altar, Holy Spirit of God. Amen. And then we go through with it. We allow those things to burn off of us. We allow our DNA, our patterns, our genetics to change more into his image. I will bear your image in the new year. Amen. And it's not going to be a flash in the pan. I'm signing up for eternity. Amen. Let's sign up to follow the Holy Ghost for eternity tonight and begin living in that eternal discipleship of our souls, even the consecration of our bodies. Do you have faith to take that body that you're in right now with you for eternity? God can do it. He did it with Elijah. He did it with Enoch. You're the Elijah and Enoch, two witnesses generation. He can do it with you. Have faith in God. He can save you, not just in your spirit, but in your soul, in your mind, even in your bones and marrow. He can take them into Zion. He can take your bones into Saturn. He can take your bones into Keter Uranus. He can take your bones up into the heavens. Your bones can experience the heavenly realms. It's not just for your spirit going up. Your spirit's the pioneer of your salvation as it follows the Holy Ghost, as it follows the angels, as it follows the apostles and prophets in the sapphire stones, in the sapphire sea. Therefore, you too can be washed, not just to stay clean in the earthly, but to go up into the heavenly. This dashing to pieces like pottery of the inheritance of the nations is for the nations to ascend Jacob's ladder. They can't ascend in their current condition. In fact, no Gentile can. You have no access to the heavenly realms except through Israel the Messiah of Israel. But you're cut off from Israel. You're cut off from God unless you're in the Messiah. And now the Messiah is a light for all nations, the nations to say nations. No, the nations to be dashed to pieces. Why? To become one nation, Israel. That's why there's a dashing of that pottery. So there's one clay vessel, the vessel of the body of Christ, the clay of Christ, the flesh and blood of Jesus Christ is the one clay vessel we must become. And we can't have any identity in our outer man with any other vessel. It has to be Him. It has to be the Messiah. Even if you're Jewish, you're going to be a different type of Jew in Messiah, the one clay vessel of Messiah. It's an upgrade for all nations. The Jews and the Gentiles are together in a desperate situation for Jesus. Amen. To become the body of Christ, which is the fulfillment of all the promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that we would live inside the Messiah's flesh and blood. 
It is a different celestial flesh that he has given us. It's not the same human flesh at all as it's written in Paul's writings. Then we shall have celestial bodies. Why? Because that's the body of Christ. He's transfigured. We'll have transfigured bodies. But you need to understand the process. So you're not discouraged expecting those rewards, but you didn't have the sanctification. You didn't have the set-apartness. You're not fully God-inside-minded. You're hanging on to things of the world oftentimes. Just your, the stuff in your house is bigger than the God in your hearts. Oftentimes the things on the outside are bigger in your minds than Christ on the inside. So in order to be big in heaven, to be great in heaven, you must be greatly sacrificed in the heart to Jesus in the stomach. That's how you get famous in heaven. You get big on the inside. You allow Jesus to really conquer you. You allow Jesus to change you. It's not going to be popular with the ones that don't allow the change. Most Christians have never even heard the teaching of circumcision of heart, circumcision of mind. The sword of the Spirit for the bones and marrow, the working of the priesthood of the new covenant. And these realities become our realities as we go into the deeper waters of the New Testament. That's what we're going to do. And we're going to experience God in a much greater glory because we'll understand the path of righteousness that shines with glory, that's ever greater to the full dawn of day, which is the conquering of death in your DNA over your nation that you're in right now, that your nation is not going to be successful over you, that Jesus will be successful over you. Your nation is death and a principality of Satan. We need to dismiss that by getting into the principality, the prince of peace, and let him rule over the flesh and be our nation, be our culture. Let the angels be more important to you than your, what your spouse thinks or what your kids think or what your family thinks or what anyone thinks. If you are not pleasing the holy angels, the watchers, what do you think they're watching for? Another name for watcher is archangel. Clearly, we have mostly archangels and the watchers still with us. Forget the fallen ones. They're not even relevant. But you do have to do what's right in the eyes of the watchers. And if you don't, you can't grow because it's through angels you inherit salvation and the pleasing and the doing the angelic protocol, not just the new fad in Christianity, not just the charismatic stuff, not just doing the gifts, doing what's right in the commandments of the Father's commandment from heaven. And his commandments always, as we read in the Bible, come from the angels. Gabriel came and gave the commandment to Mary. She said yes and obeyed. You'll never have obedience until you have obedience to the angels and the watchers of Jesus Christ. And when you begin to get obedient in that, you begin to get promoted. Why? Because they are over the heavens. Uriel who watches, who's over Tartarus. Gabriel who watches, who's over the serpents. And Phanuel and all these archangels mentioned in Scripture that are over those who rise, that are over sicknesses and diseases, that are over the chaos, over the best parts of humanity, Michael the archangel. And I tell you the truth, they want your success 
probably more than you do because they're purer than you. They really care that Jesus gets his rewards, which isn't just salvations. That's the perfect start. But the reward is the sanctifications and the glorifications of children that look just like Jesus. Not just deep down within where we let them in, but through the soul, through the body. And the body looks like the body of Jesus on earth. And as it goes up from the body higher and higher, it takes all those elevations where Jesus walked when he was on earth. It takes all the heavens. It takes all the stars. You can live above the stars and over the earth while in the body. Philippians 3.11, it is written. We have become the resurrection morally and spiritually of Jesus Christ over the stars and over the earth, yet still in the body. Therefore, the body just becomes clear and the soul just becomes raptured. And the angels... They become our contemporaries. They become our cloud of witnesses. They do. They're, they're in the cloud, the cloud of glory. They're the angels of the holy glory. And that becomes your surrounding. That's the enculturation. And it's that cloud of glory and the word of God spoken in that cloud that comes down. That's the latter rain. It begins to rain on the nations. That's what dashes the nations to pieces because now you're bringing the cloud of the holy watchers over the nations. And those horrible principalities that have been over all the nations of the earth during the church age are obliterated only when you're seated on that cloud of Revelation 14, 14. I saw one looking like a son of man seated on a cloud, wearing a gold crown, that's the ruling of the nations, holding a sharp sickle. And the voice said, swing the sickle, for the heads of the nations are white for harvest. Why? They've been dashed to pieces like pottery. Everything that was covering was dashed. So this white cloud of the Prince of Peace now is their head covering. And now we're going to tell their senses what they're experiencing. This light is going to be known as it goes through all their heads in all the nations. And they will listen. And there shall be a great harvest from that cloud of the kings who've conquered and became citizens of the culture of the heavenly Jerusalem of all the holy angels. You have not come to Sinai. But you've come to Zion, city of innumerable angels. And now that is what you speak and act like all the time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can't put a price on the joy that comes from knowing that God delights in you and what you've done for him. And so the joy that I have from knowing that Jesus is happy with me, that he delights in me, not just because, you know, the baseline that he always delighted in me as belonging to him, since I've belonged to him, but I can enjoy his delight in knowing that he's pleased with me and that he's happy with what I've done for him in the earth and what I'm doing and that he's excited about it and he tells his friends about it. And so, yeah, we're just constantly, we find each other talking about each other to our friends constantly. And, um, you know, I love his visitations. It's great to know him on the inside. That's the beginning. And then it gives the external visitations the value. 
when you don't know him on the inside, the external visitations, it's usually just kind of like the weeping and the crying. And that's really good. I love those. I always loved those visitations. They're so, so important. And I still get emotional sometimes, uh, you know, depending on the type of visitation. But lately, it's a lot of fun in games. Lately, he likes to show me uh, stuff that he's wearing, his outfit changes, his different cool stuff in heaven that we don't know about. I didn't know until yesterday that they're golden coconuts. I don't know how rare this is in heaven. Maybe if you're living in heaven and you're watching this right now, maybe you can uh, leave it on the social network of heaven. You know, they have a, everything's connected in heaven. Uh, how rare or not. Maybe they have them everywhere. I'm not sure what section that's at. Someone can leave a note, drop a note. If you can get that message to me all the way from heaven, I would appreciate that as well. But I feel oh, it's coming down. That's really nice. And Jesus showing up wearing all these different outfits and stuff. And he showed up last night just for fun with golden coconut drinking out of it. So I made some photos <laughs> using the technology. And... Man, this stuff was potent, and I'm drinking it, and it's just so wonderful. But as I'm enjoying the presence of the Lord, I'm thinking, like, now that I'm thinking of it, and I'm realizing tonight, it's really first knowing Him on the inside, and sacrificing, you know, all this stuff that you have to sacrifice to go up, you know, 10 weeks. To go up, start with one week, start with one rung. It might be a huge ladder, but guess what? Just take one step another step and you just do it right do it right the first time and you know keep encouraging yourself this is how i encourage myself is okay i can change i can change god is giving me the ability i can change i can change again we've changed so much you know we can change again we can change more we can repent more and just encouraging yourself in that it's like um just being willing to change and understanding how happy it makes him. It's the happiest thing. Nothing makes him more happy other than, you know, I believe he, the most happy I'd say is still like getting people saved because he really wishes that none would perish. And that's very dear to the father's heart. But aside, you know, from that, from getting people saved so that they don't go to hell, you know, yeah, that's his, like his favorite thing. But his favorite thing that he's seeing and he's the most excited for is circumcision of the heart through ascension on sapphire stones. That's the only way to be circumcised of heart. And I feel the Holy Spirit now too, indwelling inside of me, witnessing that it is true. And some of you watching, you can feel the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, witnessing that it's true. And, you know, that's your relationship with God. You know Him on the inside of you. And so when you get those external visitations, you know Him, circumcised this is just the best thing it's like how can you put a price on being in the presence of the master of the universe the son of god the son of man to be in his presence and as i'm just basking in the light of his glory and not just like love in general god's love of the earth as in like he's visiting me personally taking the time out of his busy schedule to be with me and pour his love and his love was radiating so strongly i felt his love so much and i could even feel that he had more love he wanted to give me but my body in its current state right where we're at right now 
it, it's not enough to handle that much more love, right? Because love is so powerful. It's stronger than death and the grave. It's stronger than all of hell. His love is the most powerful thing in the universe. And so it's a strong substance, right? So the more you grow in him, there's more light in you. You can receive more light without it breaking you. So I remember a couple years back when he was giving me, you know, this angelic surgery, I, I watched him with a couple of angels walk through the walls of my apartment. And so I could see like the particle outline of them. So they were like transparent and I test the spirits, you know. And as I'm sitting, I'm like leaning back more than should be physically possible without falling. There's an angel standing behind me holding me. And he was doing something to my brain. Like, it's like a little operation game. They were doing stuff to my body to, you know, heal me and upgrade me. And that I had just gotten into God inside mindedness recently at that time. And I'd been reading the word of God every day. Every night for hours, you know, I was pouring it in and I would worship him. I would stay up late at night and I would read the Bible to him out loud. Just, you know, really intimate setting. And I would just go through and slowly read it. And, you know, sometimes I'd set a snack at the table for him and spend time. And we'd just, I'd worship him. If it was the worst day of my life or the best day of my life. Matter of fact, we would be worshiping God, you know, me and the Lord, and then the cat, you know, she got the overflow. That's probably why she's a glorious cat now. You know, reading the Bible to him, worshiping him. I would be drinking his spirit and learning about the kingdom. And it was so fun just getting the word of God, eyes and ears. And so that's when I had that visitation. And it was wonderful. So I'm leaned back, and I don't know how I'm not falling other than I can feel the angel holding me up. Yet another angel here, another angel here. There's three angels, one behind me. And then Jesus right there, he was the one, he didn't let, he let the angels work on me other places, but only he was allowed to touch my brain that time with the angels he had with him. He wanted to touch my brain himself. He worked in my mind. And, you know, me and my immaturity, I said to the Lord, I said, if you want, you know, I'm willing, like, you could just change it all at once. <laughs> Wrong. That's not how it works. And he just, he smiled though. Because <laughs> there was some good fruit in my misinformed desire. And he said, if I did all at once, that would kill you. And I was like, well, this is why I'm not the doctor. You're the doctor. <laughs> and I, I thought about that for some time after and it was an amazing experience. And sometime after that, I saw a rainbow come out of my head in the mirror. And I was like, wow, it must have worked. <laughs> it did something. But uh, I thought about that since then. And he's doing a great work in you. It's going to take some time. What I didn't know back then, even though I knew God inside minded, I just got into it. I started feeding my spirit. I was a tiny spirit. You got to grow your spirit. It takes time. You have to believe that the word of God will work. The word of God has its own power. He has his own power. He doesn't need any of yours. He doesn't need you to go get anybody else's. It's his power. So if you believe his word and you keep feeding that into your spirit and keep obeying him, listening, 
you know, leaning in, making everything in your life about him. Over time, right, it's a long-term commitment, committed relationship. And, you know, he wants, he wants to see who's going to be it in, you know, in for it, with him for the long haul. You know, whether this takes seven years, ten years, a hundred years, a thousand years, are you willing to be with him and sacrifice for him and participate with him and the angels and get to know him and his ways and his kingdom and his friends? Are you going to meet his friends? Will you get along with his friends? Will you like his friends? See, it's not a situation that... You know, he's going to be king of the universe and he wants a relationship with you. You want to be married to him. Listen, the marriage is not going to work if you hate his friends, right? Can you imagine a marriage? Maybe some of you have had that experience. Have you ever seen like a marriage where one spouse just hates the other spouse's friends? Maybe they're, you know, if it's an earthly situation, it's pro it could have been because of, you know, poor friend choices. But what you find is there's not compatibility and I think I had just gotten so used to, you know, people hating on us or, you know, like witchcraft prayer. You know, if someone's praying witchcraft prayer against you, it's because they hate you, right? It might be nice on the outside, but there's demonic in there that hates you. So I just got so used to being hated by people of God, especially by people who say nice things. And I just, I started to develop this mindset that, well, I guess just the people of God are going to love you, Jesus, you know, talking to the Lord. I guess they're going to love you, but they're going to hate me. Or they're going to love you, but hate us, hate your friends. And he's like, no, that's not how it works. What kind of husband, even in the earth, what good husband, let's say good husband, would have his wife around or be, you know, dating someone, courting someone, and she just hates all of his friends? Like, could you imagine if I just hated every single one of your friends or your family? everyone that you care the most in life, it wouldn't go over well. It would be a wreck. Why? Because there's a hatred there. So, like with Jesus, and he's, you know, courting, he's calling you, he wants you to be close to him, but you hate. I feel a fire burning at the top of my head. He's not going to marry you. you. It's not going to be union with Christ. It's not going to be close to the throne. Union, high in ascension. It doesn't work like that. So, because he honors his wife, he honors his bride. So, whether you're male or female, those people who have sacrificed to be very close, his closest ones, his heart's closest friends, if you have hatred in your heart, even secret hatred, there's only a limited uh, proximity you can be to his throne because he's just not going to put up with it. It's just not his character, it's not his nature. He still loves those people, they'll just be farther away. And, and that's love so they can maintain and be in heaven. But understand that, you know, if you want to see who's going to be close to the throne of God, the inner hidden intentions, the secret thoughts and intentions, how people are in their heart towards those who are closest to God, that's how you can kind of see whether they're in proximity. Proximity doesn't mean anything. You could be a million miles away from God's closest friends. And be close in the spirit. You may have never met them, but you might be close in, in the spirit. There's honor, there's rank, there's things like that. So just understand, you know, the Lord was talking to me about that this week. He's like, yeah, I'm not like that. I don't do that. 
that's why, you know, when the seers are giving the warnings to people, strife with the thousandfold bride or the thousandfold brides, it causes you to go into the outer ranks. It causes you to be demoted, eternal demotion. So we don't want that for anyone. We want it to be, you know, God's happy family, everyone getting along, you having the best eternal uh, destiny possible. And that only comes through loving God. The evidence that you love God is you love his friends, you love his ways, you love his circumcisions, you get to know him. How? Teach me your ways, Moses said, that I might know you. And he said that after seeing the back of God, which means you're going to start your ascension journey, learn his ways. And then as you rise and you know him on the inside, you feel that fire right there. Then those visitations, when they come, it's like fun. It can be joy. And as he was standing there, I could see him and then I close my eyes, and it's like liquid water, living waters, flowing like a river from his belly into my mind. And I could feel these living waters filling my mind. And he's sipping on this golden coconut juice, and the waters, it reminded me, it was like a parable. The water is in the coconut, and the gold, remember Bob Jones talked about the gold mind. A gold mind full of the living waters of life. Remember the river, the Pishon, flowing. Havdalah, you're, you're talking about rivers and gardens of Eden. Springs and mist and rain and dew. Light, fire and water. Substances, that's marriage. The Jewish sages taught that it was just the same difficulty for God to bring a married couple together, male and female, as it is to split the Red Sea, which means the marriage of like rock substance and water substance. Opposites, opposite substance natures. So it's a miracle when you have a marriage that comes together and it works. It only can work through the marriage of God and mankind. That he knits us together in love. And then you find that the whole purpose of marriage, what is it for? Not to survive and reproduce, but to understand the mystery. To live out the mystery of those opposite things coming together. The marriage of realms. The marriage of the gathering the sapphire stones. Male and female, he created them. Why? So that we could understand his love, his sacrificial nature. That we could understand the release of his power and authority. F the feminine to receive and the masculine to give. And what does it have to do with its the Shekinah glory? Tifra and Shekinah glory within and without on the inside and on the outside he fills all things with himself uncreated light the brightest light in all the universes and outside of the realms of time and space is the creator himself
It is the power of his love. The power of the Father's love that raised Jesus from the dead. And it's the same power that will raise you from the dead while yet in the body. Amen. Children of light, growing up to be adults of light. And what's an adult of light? All the Father formed inside you. You start with a seed of light. Now it's your responsibility to grow that seed of light into the fullness of light by learning His ways. The church age was a time of visitation on the outside to the leaders. The kingdom age is permanent habitation. So we're going from visitation to habitation. We don't need to be visited by God when you're fully possessed by God, radiating His exact nature and amount of glory because you're fully possessed and controlled by God the Father. That is the ultimate purpose of God, is to get His fullness back inside His fallen people. So to be fallen is to not have Him formed in you, and He's just on the outside. To be risen is to have Him fully formed on the inside. Amen. And it'll only come through one thing, and that's ten full weeks of cosmic circumcision and i can feel it and see it so strongly here tonight as we're sitting here the kingdom of heaven being progressively formed in us and seeing it experiencing feeling all the glory billowing out all the the sephirot emanating shekinah and the divine cosmic body of christ it's the most strongest i've ever felt the kingdom within me tonight is during this broadcast it is phenomenal this is the kingdom so we're repenting of all the bewitchment and growing in revelations of Christ in us. And he's revealing himself. Your job is just to allow the repentance and the removal of all the stuff to make room for him to possess you more, to be his faithful bride in Jesus' name. Amen. And he'll come through you before he comes to you. (laughs) Amen. Happy New Year, all of you. Bless you guys in the name of Jesus. And we'll see you Tuesday. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, esteemed members of our beloved RLM TV community and honored guests, it is with a heart full of gratitude and excitement that I am before you today to discuss a matter of great importance, one that transcends the boundaries of our individual lives and reaches into the very core of our collective mission as viewers and supporters of RLM TV. Today we come together not only as fans but as stewards of a divine calling, a calling to support the works of ministry and secure a home for our spiritual journey right here in the heart of Florida. As many of you are aware, the ministry we share through RLM TV is not confined to digital screens before us. It extends beyond reaching into the lives of those in need, offering solace to the weary, and spreading the message of love and compassion to all corners of our digital community. It is a ministry fueled by faith, compassion, and a deep-seated commitment to making a positive impact in the lives of others. Our vision is clear, our mission resolute, and the path ahead very promising. Yet to achieve the great heights we envision, we must confront the practical realities that come with the responsibility of sustaining and expanding our ministry through RLM TV. Today I stand before you to speak about the need for us to join hands and hearts in taking up support and offerings, not merely as an obligation, but as an opportunity to invest in the divine work we are collectively undertaking. First and foremost, let us reflect on the significance of supporting RLM TV. Support is not merely a financial transaction. It is a sacred act of obedience 
trust, and gratitude. By giving our support, we express our faith in the divine providence that guides and sustains us. It is a way for us to acknowledge the blessings bestowed upon us and to share those blessings with others. When we support, we actively participate in the continuation of God's work through the powerful medium of RLM TV. Now as we consider the expansion of our ministry through RLM TV and the need for a permanent digital home here in Florida, let us view this as an exciting opportunity to sow seeds that will bear fruit for generations to come. Just as a farmer invests in fertile soil to yield a bountiful harvest, we too are called to invest in the digital soil of our community, providing a stable and nurturing environment for the growth of our spiritual family. The acquisition of resources is not a mere transaction. It is an investment in the future of our ministry through RLM TV. It is a commitment to create a space where lives will be transformed, where people will find refuge in times of trouble, and where the light of our shared faith will shine brightly for all to see on the screens that connect us. I understand that each of us has unique circumstances and the level of contribution may vary. However, let us remember that it is not the size of the offering that matters most, but the spirit with which it is given. Whether our gift is large or small, let it be a reflection of our dedication to the work of the divine through RLM TV. As we embark on this journey together, let us be inspired by the words of the Apostle Paul. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. 2 Corinthians 9.7 May our collective support overflow with joy and purpose. May our contributions be a testament to our commitment to the works of ministry through RLM TV and the establishment of a spiritual home in this beautiful part of God's creation. Together, let us build a legacy that will endure, a legacy that speaks not only of our faith, but of the boundless love that unites us all. Thank you, and may God bless each and every one of you abundantly as we embark on this sacred journey together through RLM TV. Amen.